There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, the divide. Hello and welcome to the Power Chord Hour podcast. As always, I am your host, Anthony Merchant. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. Hope you're being punk as hell out there and not a hashtag Joser. And, uh, you know, hopefully this is finding you well. I'm recording this right now in the uh, WRFA studio late, late at night. It is uh, midnight here and uh, I guess technically Wednesday I think I hit record on a Tuesday, but it is now technically Wednesday here, and uh, I'm getting ready to uh, go down south. And uh, if you heard if you heard last uh, week's episode, I talked about it, but uh, going down south to a visit an aunt and uncle in uh, South Carolina. I'm going to spend a couple weeks down there, and uh, on the way in Virginia, have a buddy in the Navy and uh, in Norfolk, so going to go grab him. Originally, I was going to do the Blue Ridge Parkway with him. But uh, he is on call for the weekend, so we're going to go hit up probably the Outer Banks, and uh, I don't know where else. And uh, by the time you hear this, it'll have already happened, so uh, by by the time you hear this, I'll have known. But as I'm saying this, these words are coming out of my mouth, um, I, I don't know where we're going entirely yet. It was, a, it was kind of a last-minute thing. I'm going to still hit up the Blue Ridge Parkway just without him, but uh, we're, we're going to be able to hit up the Outer Banks and uh, I don't know, do something, do something else coastal and uh, away from people. You know, that, that was the other thing I was saying on the last one. It's like, you know, you don't want to tell people, you, you know, you, you don't want to say it's not even really vacation, but it's like you don't want to you don't want to make it sound like you're going to like crowded beaches or like going to clubs and stuff. You know, I'm, I'm going down gonna you know visit visit an aunt and uncle and uh you know and then with my uh, buddy you know outer outer banks can be pretty uh desolate as well as uh, blue ridge parkway so uh, i do plan to stay the hell away from people but uh you know it will be it'll be nice to uh, get out for a little while after being in for so long and you know be uh being very cautious and everything but uh, yeah, so while we don't really have a new episode for you this week, I want to do a throwback episode and we'll do one again next week while I'm gone. Did not want to leave you empty handed and uh, with nothing to listen to. So, uh, you know, I've been doing throwback episodes about once a month. Thought I would do two for you this month. And uh, I've been I've been saving some real special ones. And tonight or today, whenever you end up listening to this. This is this is so far. I've been doing interviews now about four years, and uh, starting starting my interview with uh, Steve Neurotic of Shower with Goats back in November 2016. That was our very first interview, and then in uh, I believe it was March of 2017. So really not all that long after, I got to interview C.J. Ramone of the Ramones. Took over for Didi after he left after recording uh, Brain Drain in 1989. And uh, CJ played bass in the Ramones from 89 until they broke up in 1996. And uh, just an amazing, I mean, a, a great bass player. And, uh, I mean, if you if you don't know, I mean, he sang on uh, quite a few later Ramones songs. He actually got to sing on quite a few. Funny enough, a lot of ones that uh, Dee Dee Ramone wrote after he was out of the band that uh, the uh, Ramones either covered or uh, some of them they covered, I guess you would say, because they were originally Dee Dee songs. Some, I guess, want to be covers, though, because Dee Dee never recorded them himself. But, uh, you know, uh, CJ did sing on a lot of those and just really, really good. I mean, obviously, Dee Dee, legend, original Ramon bass player, but uh, CJ in his own right, I mean, you know, definitely doesn't get the credit he deserves and uh, really did something for the band and kind of gave them a resurgence towards the end of their career that uh, I think they needed, you know, kind of a kick in the ass that uh, was uh, necessary towards the end there and uh, just really, really cool. And to this day, this is this is still my favorite interview. I mean, I've been doing interviews now for four years, done tons of them. I mean, absolutely tons of them now on the show. And uh, this is still my favorite. I, I, I think part of it might be, 
you know, it was one of my first interviews, which uh, I got to say before it starts, my voice definitely uh, sounds different. I, I got to say, I'm actually surprised how different it sounds for, uh, you know, only being like three, I guess this was three years ago. This was like March 2017 I did this. So, uh, yeah, I'm surprised how much my voice sounds. Maybe it's just me. I mean, everyone kind of hates the sound of their voice. It, it took me years before I like now I'm OK with it. But I mean, I hated my voice. I hated my voice for uh, years. So, I mean, I don't know. I might just be listening back and like, you know, because it's me, I'm like, oh, my God, I sound so weird. But uh, I definitely sound different in it. But, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, one of my one of my first interviews, I mean, still one of the biggest ones. I mean, he's in the Ramones, for Christ's sake. He uh, also, we don't talk about it, but I've heard him talk about this in other interviews. And I definitely would have had I known it was a thing. I would have brought it up. But he was actually propositioned to uh, join Metallica after Jason Newstead. He uh, was, was actually asked to join and then uh, ended up not joining. And uh, I can't remember in all the reasons why, so I'm not going to sit here and uh, tell you something that's not true. But uh, I know he uh, declined it, obviously, because he's not the bass player for Metallica. But, uh, you know, I mean, the fact, just the fact that not only are you in the Ramones, but then you were asked from by Metallica to join Metallica. I mean, that's... That's what I mean by like he he really is is a living legend, you know. I mean, D.D. Ramone, obviously, you know, we all know and love him, but it's like C.J. really did something for the Ramones as well, and you know, just a really really great musician. I I love him. We got to have him back on the show. Um, we're actually supposed to have him have him on a few months back, and uh, I ended up we we had it booked, we had it all ready to go, and I had some technical issues on my side and some screw ups. And, uh, you know, just just had some trouble getting uh, things scheduled. But uh, I, I think at some point we'll probably have him on again. I would be very be very surprised if we don't have him on sometime, uh, you know, in the in the somewhat near future. He's an absolutely great guest. Just such a nice down to earth guy. I mean, I was so nervous to do this just because he was in the Ramones. Like, I mean, one of my all time favorite bands. I mean, including when you think of, I mean, punk rock, it's like one of the originators of the genre and he played in that band for you know six seven years and that's you know that's just absolutely amazing and outside of that too he also plays uh in me first in the gimme gimme's he just started playing with them around the time of this interview actually but uh, the last three years he uh, has been playing in the gimme's which i would love to see him playing with them but uh just such an such an awesome guy and uh, i love his solo stuff too i mean really like you know outside of being from the ramones his solo stuff is really good where he has really found, including on the last two solo records, American Beauty, which we talked about um, in this interview. That's what we were promoting at the time. But uh, also last year's The Holy Spell, which is one of my favorite albums of last year. These last two records he's put out are just amazing because he's really found this nice, happy medium where, you know, it, it sounds like a Ramon on the record, you know, like. It you know C.J. Ramone sounds like C.J. Ramone, but at the same time, it doesn't sound like just a rip off the Ramones. You know, it, he really kind of has his own sound where he'll satisfy you if you're a Ramones fan, but you also aren't gonna feel like you know like you're being ripped off or something, or like he thinks you're an idiot, like you know, like oh he's just you know playing watered down Ramones covers. It's not that at all. Like he he writes some amazing stuff. Does some amazing covers as well of uh, including Tom Waits, which uh, I'll play for you later on in this episode. And we talk about for a while. It's still the like my my crowning achievement in uh, interviewing people is talking to C.J. Ramone about Tom Waits. I mean, to get to talk to a Ramone about Tom Waits for you know however long we talk about it in here. I mean, quite a while. You know, surprisingly a, a, a decent amount. But, uh, you know, just an absolute dream come true. I absolutely love the guy. He is a legend. So, uh, yeah, I mean, gonna gonna play you now my all-time favorite interview that I have done so far. And, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll always be one of my favorites. Probably will because it was also one of my first. And, uh, you know, also just really cool. I was working at a, at a Top 40 radio station at the time, too. And, uh, you know, and my manager, we were, we were just very small. Um, you know, people, people may, may not realize it. But uh, in this in this day of automation, sadly, and uh, I won't go into it. I'll end up going into a huge tirade. But uh, you know, as far as radio goes, not podcasting, but uh, radio goes, 
you know, automation has taken over where it, it's just you, you, a lot of these radio stations have like skeleton crews. Like you don't realize it. Maybe you do, but a lot of people, I, I thought people realized it. Actually, I say that I thought people realized it. And then I realized when I talked to people that they don't, you know, that, that a lot of people don't realize kind of the behind the scenes of it. But I mean, radio has gone to a point now where it's just so automated that you get to these stations and it's, there's three people operating the entire station, which if something goes wrong, you know, that's, that's really tough. And, uh, you know, this is kind of one of the situations I was at a top 40, top 40 radio station. I absolutely loved it. You know, even, even though, uh, pop music is not my uh, thing, including, including, uh, current day pop music, you know, I, I was not particularly into most of the stuff we played though. We did play some good stuff. But, uh, you know, still, it doesn't matter. It was just it was such an absolutely fun, still, like, you know, one of my all-time, really, actually, my my uh, favorite job I think I've ever had. Just really, really cool. But, um, you know, it was one of those things where it was such a small operation that uh, even, even early on in starting working there, I mean, I was working there three or four months, and, uh, you know, anytime my manager was out, I had to go in and uh, I'd get a I'd get a phone call because she did she did the morning show live, and uh, you know you had to be there at like five thirty in the morning. So if she was if she had to call in, the only other per the only other person who could run it there. I mean, we had like salespeople, but no one who knew the technical side. Like if the station went off air, or like like you had to load music logs and commercial logs and like things like that, and take meter readings and uh, shit that you know just no one can just you know off the streets just jump in and do. I was the only one, the only other person there who uh, knew how to do it. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'd get, I would get a phone call. You'd be there at five 30 and I normally get the phone call at like 2 AM, which was funny. Cause normally I didn't have to go in until late afternoon. So many times <laughs> I would get called in about 30 minutes after going to sleep and sometimes never going to sleep. There were, there were times where like, I, I can think of more than one time where it was like. 2:30 in the morning and I'm laying my head on my pillow and I you know like I'm going to lay down for the night you know I check social media one last time you know I'm like on Instagram and all of a sudden I just get a phone call it's like uh yeah I'm sick like can you can you come run the station and it's like yeah like you know there's, there's really it's not really you know it's kind of a rhetorical question it's like you know if you can't be there you know I got to run it so, uh, you know, but I, I want to trade. I mean, it was the coolest job, but anyway, you know, my, uh, the day I was interviewing CJ was one of those days where my boss was out and I had to go take over uh, for her and do the uh, morning show and all that. And yeah, I mean, I, I got there running on maybe two hours of sleep, um, was a, was like a 12 hour day at that radio station doing top 40. Um, I remember, I don't remember exactly what it was. But uh, I did some Arby's commercials that day, and uh, I don't remember what kept getting fucked up. I think it was something with the copy, and uh, we had to just keep redoing it. And it, I just remember how ridiculous it was. Like, and I was just getting stressed out because it was just getting closer and closer, and just all this shit had to be done. It was a Friday, I remember that as well. So I'm trying to get all this stuff done. It's like the end of the month, I think, too. We're getting all this stuff done for the end of the month. It's a Friday. And uh, it's just getting closer and closer to my interview with CJ. And it's like I, I'm like sitting here freaking out going like I, I need to like finish this commercial because I need to go interview. You know, it's like I, I got to go interview CJ Ramon. And uh, I just remember just that day. I mean, I I I don't know how much radio I did. I, I worked like 12 hours at that top 40 station and uh, then ran ran to, uh, I was going to say here to WRFA, which is true, though we have new studios now, since renovated studios. But uh, I did have to run here to a WRFA and then do my uh, interview with CJ and get that all ready and whatnot. And uh, we might have even aired it day of. I, you know, the, the interview was pre-recorded. But I think I remember staying here and editing it and getting it all ready for just a couple hours later. It, it, it aired. We were still going at like 8 o'clock at night. So, uh you know, I interviewed him at like four in the afternoon, and then by eight o'clock we uh, had it on there, and I get that already. But I just always look back on that day is like just like such a uh, it was just such a fun day 
but really one of the first like stressful busy days in radio for me where it was like I was trying to juggle shit like I had to go like I had I had to go from one station to another like I was running out you know low on time by the time I inter- like even this interview you're listening to like keep in mind this is like hour 13 of me doing radio like this was me getting up on 2 hours of sleep getting to the radio station at like 5:30 in the morning doing doing a morning show um you know cutting a bunch of commercials putting in the music log for the next week getting all the playlists together doing an all request hour um in the afternoon <laughs> doing the goddamn Arby's commercial five different times like like just all of this different stuff and then building up to uh this interview so uh you know I I I think going in I thought of all those things and I was like man I hope I'm not rusty for this you know after having after having such a long day but uh, I, I think it ended up coming out well, and I think you can hear my enthusiasm. I was so stoked to interview him, and uh, I loved it. But uh, I'm going to shut up now. We will uh, get into it, and uh, you know, hit me up. We got Power Chord Hour guitar picks and stickers made, and I want to send everybody some absolutely free. Hit me up, PowerChordHour at gmail.com. I will uh, send those your way. Follow us at PowerChordHour on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, we're on Spotify. I put up all the music I play on the radio show every week there. And uh, yeah, check all that out. Shout out to uh, Steve Clayton Custom Guitar Picks for uh, making, for uh, hooking up and making these rad new Power Chord Hour guitar picks. So shout out to them. And that is it. Here's my throwback episode for the week. Here's my interview with CJ Ramon from back in 2017, right here on the Power Chord Hour podcast. All right, right now on the Power Chord Hour, we have a living legend on the phone, Mr. C.J. Ramon. C.J. was the bass player of the Ramones from 1989 all the way up to their final show in 1996. Recently, C.J. released his third solo record titled American Beauty on Fat Records. The album is 12 tracks that have a classic punk rock sound, all while still sounding fresh and full of life. It's an album that's sure to please any Ramones fan. So right now, let's get right to it. C.J., thank you so much for being with us today. How are you? All right, doing okay. Right away, I want to ask, what does the uh, title American Beauty mean? <laughs> that's a pretty, that's a good question. I've been getting asked a lot. So um, what it is, is I initially had a completely different album cover and title lined up for this one. But because of the political climate and just kind of how negative things in general have been, I figured, you know, just since it's been so much real negative stuff out there. I mean, it's really been like, a, uh, you know, a, a cesspool of, of negativity. I figured there's enough people throwing bad stuff into the mix. Let me, let me put something positive out and just remind everybody that it isn't all bad. You know what I mean? It yeah. ain't all bad. Yeah, we have problems and everything else. But the fact of the matter is, is when you stand back and, and look at it and think about it, I mean, there's never been so many people involved in the political process in the history of the country. People are standing up for what they believe in and, and, and voicing their opinions. All that stuff is good. It's all good stuff. No matter if you gr- agree with it or not, or agree, you know, agree with the different opinions or not, it's good that people are doing that. That's kind of one of the basic premises of, of you know, what our country was built on, you know, is based on. So, I, I you know, th- with all that in mind, that's... That's kind of why I use that title and, and use the album cover that I did. It's just to remind people, like, you know, we're not all going to get along. We're not all going to agree with each other and everything else. But, you know, when you when you think about it, when you look at it, it, it really is kind of beautiful that we can all do what we're doing and um, and still all live in the same place and have the same protections and have the same rights and everything else. It's I just thought it was a little bit more appropriate than if I was started jumping up and down and, you know, yelling the president sucks and our country <laughs> sucks and we're bombing everybody else's countries and blah, 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 and this and that. I, that's all, you know, that's all been said and done and done to death. And, oh, yeah. you know, there's some stuff you just got to accept and there's some stuff, you you know, you can you can change. But in my opinion, the, the one thing that I'm trying to change right now, I'm just trying to change people's mindset a little bit and maybe give them a chance to break away from all of that kind of stuff and just enjoy some, you know, some really, really good music. Well, I, I like that. It's a it's a more positive uh, output, and I I think the uh, album cover is really fitting with it. I really even even before the, um you you describing what the title was, I thought the uh, name of the album as well as the album art went hand in hand, went really well together. So I I also wanted to ask you, 
is a guy who went from playing in kind of more hard rock and heavy metal bands into punk rock. Did you see a big change in the way that you uh, played in your songwriting? And was it an easy um, shift? Well, the, the so, you know, I, I never really wrote much. You know, I, I was never that big on songwriting. I really was a bass player pretty much strictly. I didn't even sing backup vocals back in the day, you know, until I got into the Ramones. So, you know, but as far as playing goes, I used to be a much more technical bass player, you know. I guess I kind of would say I modeled myself after, like, Giza Butler and Steve Harris from Iron Maiden more than I modeled myself after Dee Dee and, and Paul Simonon, although they were favorites, you know, just as much as, as Geezer and Steve were. But uh, it, it was an easy switch for me. In fact, I always liked to be very active on stage, so... Switching over to punk rock was actually a relief because I didn't have to worry about making mistakes so much. <laughs> I could just get up there and pound out root notes and jump around like an idiot. It really is. It is more, it seems to me that, uh, yeah, it's more of a feeling with punk than it is. It's a little more technical with the other stuff. Did you did you play, did you tend to play with a pick more before the Ramones or no? Were you more of a finger player? I played with my fingers. Really? So you you really did do a lot. You did a lot of uh you changed up a lot of things when you went oh, yeah. to Ramones. Oh yeah. Yeah, and and it you know, it's not just going from playing you, with my fingers to playing with a pick. You have to remember the Ramones play all downstrokes and playing all downstrokes at that speed is, you know, not, not you know, it doesn't come real easy. It took um a fair amount of practice and I only had 5 weeks to learn to do it. Jeez. So, you know, it was really um you know, it was a bit of work. Definitely yeah. was a bit of work. Now, do you do you nowadays? I mean, with your solo stuff, you do tend to stay kind of more punk rock. Do you do you ever go back? I know you said back in the day you didn't really write anything when you were doing kind of the more heavy stuff. Now, do you write anything kind of more like in the hard rock genre? Or are you kind of more strictly? You just stay punk when you write. Well, if, I mean, realistically, my first you know my first journey into songwriting was pretty much hard rock stuff um that was with my band los cusanos wasn't punk rock at all really it was kind of uh it was it was really hard rock and um you know and that that's because i picked up the guitar i wanted to learn to play guitar so i picked up the guitar and started writing on guitar and what i found was because my my abilities on guitar were limited i was falling back on stuff playing stuff that I was comfortable playing, stuff that I knew by ear, which was, you know, more of the, the heavy metal hard rock stuff. That gave, uh, you know, that totally changed the, changed the game for me as far as, as far as playing goes. And the guys I was playing with were way more well-steeped in hard rock than they were in punk. None of them were really into punk at all. Uh, but, you know... Over you know over time and 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 um and then after playing with the Ramones for seven years and and everything I did afterwards and and whatnot it's yeah what I find is you go back to your your early influences the older you get the deeper into your 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 music catalog your record collection you get so you know a lot of the stuff that I'm writing now is 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 definitely you know early, you know sounds like early Ramon stuff to to a certain degree um some stuff even sounds countryish but it's it's you know it's not something I'm trying to do that's what ha- that's what comes out when I sit down to write I wish I could say I'm a good enough songwriter to be able to sit down and you know I know how to write the hits you know <laughs> I I really don't I know what I like to hear and I know you know I I I think I know it makes a good song but I I'm, I don't have that ability to like craft um, a good song. It really is just. It, it's really not. It's just natural. That's just naturally how it comes out. And it's you know something that I kind of developed over time. I, I also have a question. Your new album, American Beauty, as well as your last one, uh, Last Chance to Dance, they're both put out on Fat Records. Is it? I gotta ask. Like, is it a flattering or is it a weird feeling to know? that the Ramones were like a huge influence on so many of your label mates to the point where there's probably bands on the label who would not exist without the band that you were in. I mean, is that an odd feeling or is that flattering? You know, it's, I mean, it, it's cool. I, I, I it, that's, you know, <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Tell you. That is, that is a, a pretty cool thing. But what you got to remember too is I was a fan before I got into the Ramones. So, I'm I'm more like some of the the, the older guys in bands um uh than I am than I you know I feel more like those guys than I do a Ramon because I was such a huge Ramones fan and as influenced by the Ramones as everyone else <laughs> but 
you know, having, having being the, the lone representative on Fat Records for the Ramones, I, I guess yeah, it's it is it does feel um. I, I guess it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. I mean, I, you know, the whole, the whole Ramon thing. I kind of, you know, I'm really proud of that. So it's a, um, it it always feels good, no matter whose company I'm in. But um, yeah, it is kind of funny. It, <laughs> I'm thinking about it. It's kind of funny to, uh, you know, to 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 be part of something that was, you know, has a lot to do with that was being started by by the Ramones. But it just makes me feel that much more lucky to have played in the band, you know? Yeah. Um, right now, we're going to be playing one of, this is probably my favorite song off of American Beauty, You'll Never Make Me Believe. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the song? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's, um, that one's kind of about the, um, about the, uh, the relationship gone wrong thing, you know? People tend to sometimes, they're in relationships when they know the other person ain't doing the right thing. And they kind of try to hang in there, uh, and until they just can't take it no more, and they got to call the person on, uh, got to call the person on their deeds. So that's that's pretty much what this one is about. You know, it's just about somebody telling you everything you want to hear when you know that they're they're not doing the right thing. Well, it's a, it's an absolutely great song. Before we play it once again, I am talking to C.J. Ramon right now. His new album, American Beauty, is out now on Fat Records. You can go to cjramon.com. He's on Facebook. He's on Instagram, the CJ Ramon, two E's and the. He's also on Twitter at the CJ Ramon with two E's. And you're going on a U.S. and Canada tour from April 15th until May 20th. So if Correct. you are if you are anywhere around the area, definitely <laughs> go check out those dates and check them out. So right now here is CJ Ramon with "You'll Never Make Me Believe" right here on the Power Chord Hour. <laughs> Now there's no way You'll ever make me believe Things that you say You'll never make me believe You act like you're special I see it in your eyes I know you're just crazy Here's a big surprise And you're really not that bright 
On the phone once again, we have the legend C.J. Ramon with us right here on the Power Chord Hour talking about his new record, American Beauty, which is out now on Fat Records, as well as spinning a couple songs off of it. C.J., once again, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, this is a question that I've I've wanted to ask for quite a while, and I want to get your take on it. Over a year after playing your guys' last show, the Ramones went on the Howard Stern show, and during that interview, there's there's a lot of tension, there's a lot of conflict between members. I want to ask you, do you remember what it was like being in the room during that, and did you kind of know it was going to go the way that it did? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I remember it. I mean, it didn't really bother me all that much, you know what I mean? It was, it's kind of, kind of was a, a common thing, but, you know, you gotta think of something. Ramones were together 22 years. 22 years they, they stayed together. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's a long time. Most marriages don't even last 22 years, you know? So here's four guys, well, three guys, four guys, whatever, it, that were, you know, pro- pretty much lived with each other. 24 hours a day for, you know, weeks at a time over the course of 22 years, there's always going to be conflict. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's like living in a house where, the, where your parents don't get along. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but not in the fighting way, just the ignoring way and the, you know, snide remark way. You know what I mean? That, mm-hmm. That's how it was. That, that, um, what happened on that show had nothing to do with, um, anything that happened in the band while the band was, was together that was uh that was a on that show i think it was a uh an argument between johnny i mean between joey and mark that was kind of the centerpiece yeah it is i i went back and watched it um before we did this i kind of went back and looked at it, and that seemed like where most of the conflict was it wasn't all four of you butting heads it was kind of like this guy kind of has this problem with this guy you know it wasn't right. everyone so what it was is that uh john was john was upset with joey also, but I mean, Joey and, and and Johnny never got along. But the um, but what had happened was we had been offered um a million dollars to play a, a couple of shows down in South America after the last show in on Lollapalooza. Wow! And Joey turned it down, but he didn't just flat turn it down. Um, he he came to well, he came to 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 me and he said, "Hey, CJ, you know." how would you feel if I canceled the shows in South America? And I, I answered him as a friend and I said, you know, Joey, you gave the band 22 years. <laughs> I think you gave enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. And what I knew that I, I'm not sure anybody else knew at that point was that Joey had already been diagnosed with lymphoma. Oh, wow. So I knew it wasn't just that, you know, he didn't want to do it. He was tired, like, like physically exhausted, tired, like, you know, didn't have the energy to do it. And that's why, you know, I had no problem. And believe me, I'm the guy who could have used the money the most out of everybody in the band. But, you know, I answered him as a friend, and that's and that's how I did it. Yeah. But I, I guess there had been a little bit of back and forth on an earlier um, show on Howard Stern between Joey and Mark calling each other names and everything else. And, and Howard, being the rabble-rouser that he is, <laughs> got us back on the show to, to inflame the situation further. But, um, but uh, you know, it, I thought it was funny. You know, and that's really what it, that's really what it was, you know. It, if you go on his show, you know that kind of stuff is going to oh, go God, on. Oh, God, yeah. So. I, I kind of assume that. And the other thing, I mean, watching it, because there is, there is the video of it on YouTube, too, and you can. You kind of are in the middle of it. It is funny to watch you because you're almost like – you you just kind of staying silent. But you're kind of just smiling for a yeah. lot of it. You know, it's and it's true. Yeah, you go on Howard Stern. I, I'm sure you guys kind of knew that was going to happen. But yeah, I just I had to bring it up because it's so interesting. Just thinking yeah. of that interview, you know, a year after the band had pretty much broken up. But the, yeah, and also thank you for going into that. That was that's really I knew none of that about yep. the uh, concert and everything. But now let's get yeah. back to the uh, let's get back to the present. Let's get back to the new album. On the uh, on American Beauty, you have a really touching song about um, Tommy Ramone. Was that an emotionally difficult song to write? Well, my first record on Ray Conquista, I wrote a song called Three Angels," which was um, which was I wrote for Johnny, Joey, and Dee Dee. They had the three of them had passed at that point, and um, I'd always kind of wanted to write a thank you song, you know, um, to the band, and so I wrote that. So after Tommy died, fans actually asked me, "Are you going to write a song for Tommy?" So I, I said, yeah, definitely, you know. So um, we were in the studio recording the new record, and um, 
I was staying at uh, a friend's house, and I was staying in the room where he kept his guitar collection. In the room, he had a, a dobro. So I picked it up and I started messing around with it, and I came up with the little guitar, you know, that little that little riff that's on there, and yeah. um, and I kind of liked it, and then I I started to, to, you know, I just suddenly got the the idea for for the lyrics, um, and started writing it all out. So what ended up happening was the the last day we were actually in the studio, we recorded the entire record in eleven days, by the way, wow. but the 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 last day that we were in there, um. I said to Paul uh, Miner, the uh, the co-producer and uh, engineer on the record, I said, uh, hey, do me a favor, just set up a mic and let me put a little something down. And he just set up one mic, and um, I sat down and I picked out the guitar part, and then uh, after that was done, I, I uh, sang, you know, I busted out the lyrics and I sang what I had over it, and we listened back to it, and and, uh, and I said, okay, let's, let's do a serious take, and... We blew through it one more time, got the whole thing down, and I had um, Pete Sosa, our drummer, who also plays drums for the Street Dogs, um, do the uh, the little drum tambourine part in there. And, and I listen, I had to listen to it for a while before I actually put it on, decided to put it on the record because it um, it was just really personal. <laughs> it was oh, yeah. really personal. And I'm... You know, I had to get a little comfortable with it, but I also played it for a couple of people whose opinions are, you know, who are, whose opinions I trust, and they were like, "You got to put it on," and I realized, "Yeah, I got to put it on." So we put it on the record, and that was the one song that I was most nervous about people hearing, but it's got nothing but great responses. Well, it's a beautiful song, and I like where it's at because honestly, you don't expect it. Like, yeah. like the with the with the way that the album's going, you're really not expecting that it just kind of comes out of nowhere. I remember the first time I listened to the album and it and it didn't really hit me what I was listening to about midway through realizing yeah. what it was about and it's like wow this is I mean it's a great song. Yeah. But you know I, because I I talked to Tommy about, you know, about the whole situation about what happened with the band and like I always let Tommy know like I know that you were the guy. The first time I met Tommy I said I know that you were the guy and he was like how do you know that? And I said if you deconstruct the Ramones' career going backwards by album and look at where they kind of fall off the rails, it's when Tommy's gone. It's when he's gone out of the band. At end of the century, from end of the century on, they put out albums with moments of greatness but a lot of mediocrity on them until Too Tough to Die, which to me was like a comeback record, and that's because Tommy is back in the producer's chair. Yeah, He, he was a great producer. I, yep. uh I mean, my favorite band of all time is The Replacements, and I love right. Tim. I absolutely love Tim. So, I mean, which actually we'll be playing a song off Tim later on. Thought we would give a little nod to Tommy tonight. Cool. And also, I wanted to ask you, you did mention that uh, you guys did the record in 11 days. When you yeah. went in, I mean, did you? does that mean you kind of just had all the songs just down-packed pretty much? No, 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 no not, oh, at all. not at all. <laughs> not, not at all. We, we had, like... We had like a, a half a day rehearsal before we went in. The guys oh only God. had the songs a little while before we got into the studio. It's just, you know, that's the thing about, I got Steve Soto and Dan Root from the Adolescents playing with me, Pete Sosa from um, from the Street Dogs. You know, when you play with vets, when you play with guys who have been doing it for years and stuff, the the added pressure just brings just makes the playing better. It, it really does, and and that's why we were able to bust out a record in, in that short amount of time. But wh one other thing I wanted to say about Tommy, what you know, I I try to make it my mission whenever I do a an interview that because it's not common knowledge. I think Tommy got cheated in a lot of ways as far as the Ramones legacy goes. But Tommy really is the guy who created the Ramones. Tommy came up with the look, the sound. He invented the punk rock drumming style. He even told the guys what instruments they would play, told them to wear leather jackets. He created the Ramones. The Ramones was Tommy's vision. Well, he was their manager, too, right? Right. He was the manager for right. quite a few years. Yep. And the only reason why he ended up on drums is because he couldn't find a drummer to play the style that he heard in his head. Wow. That's the only reason why he played drums. And that's why as soon as the Ramones were on their feet and moving, that's you know one of the reasons why he stopped playing. So yeah, amazing. so that you know that's one thing I wanted to put out there, you know, to to make to try to make it become part of the the Ramones, you know, lore and legacy is that you know people understand and know that Tommy was the guy. He was the guy. You know, I know Johnny and Joey are 
you know, with the with the face of the Ramones and the you know the you know the the part of the Ramones everybody knows, and Didi to to a, a slightly lesser extent, but um, Tommy was the guy. Yeah, he was the guy. Well, even I mean, and and I just even add something with Didi. It's like I I'm a bass player, and I I think he's one of the reasons you know where the less is more. I mean, it's, yeah. it's genius because it, yep. it it really is. You don't need to have a bunch of fills. You don't need to do a bunch of crazy things. Like, yep. I don't listen to a Ramones album and go, you know, this would be a lot better if he was, like, yeah. throwing fifths in or doing, like, this and that. It's like, you don't feel that way. And, yep. I mean, I, I think that's just been copied for decades and decades. And I think he's one of the roots of it. You know, one of the guys who you... Absolutely. the first ones you go, wow, you know. And also playing with a pick. I feel like he yep. made... I uh, I visited his uh, grave in L.A., over the summer, and I, I left one of my picks on his grave. I felt yeah. like he he made playing bass with a pick kind of cool. Yeah. But uh, right right now we're gonna play another track off of American Beauty. This one is a cover of Tom Waits' his song Pony, which I just gotta say, Tom Waits, Jawbreaker, and probably the Replacements might be three of the hardest bands, in my opinion, to cover and do right. And I think you did. I mean, honestly, and Tom Waits maybe of those three being the hardest. I yeah. you you made an amazing cover. And if people don't know the song "Pony," that's off uh, Tom Waits' Mule Variations. But the original right. is a soft acoustic song with strings. Your version is a lot more uh, kind of faster and electric, and even features horns from the band Mariachi El Bronx. I yeah. gotta I gotta ask you: Do you find it easier? Do you find it more difficult? when you cover a song to make it all your own instead of trying to keep it to the original? I mean, is that harder or is that easier to just do your own vision? It depends on the artist that you're, that you're covering. You know what I mean? There, there's some artists that you're never going to match what they do. You know what I mean? So, so there's, you know, there's doing a cover version of something and then there's doing a remake. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and realistically, I try to take the remake route because I... There's no way that I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to do what Tom Waits does better than he does it. There's no way. You know what I mean? I'm not even gonna try. That would be stupid. Um, and um, what what happened was I tried to do the straight punk rock cover. We recorded it and it sounded kind of cool, but I just didn't like it enough to to put it on the record. And um, I was heading into the actually home from the studio and. Um, uh, flip it through the radio stations and and just trying to you know wash the day out of my head a little bit. Uh, I just suddenly got the idea. I was like, I- I'm going to put mariachi horns in that song. That's what I'm. That's how I'm going to make that song even better. And I reached out to my buddy Dave Hidalgo Jr., who plays drums for um, Social Distortion, um, because his dad is uh, uh, one of the guitar players, singers from. Um, Los Lobos, and I figured Los Lobos, they got to know a mariachi section. But it turned out that Dave actually um, uh, knew the, the guys from uh, Mariachi El Bronx, and um, he gave me uh, Keith's number, and I got in touch with him, and uh, we got it hooked up. And the first time I heard the track with the mariachi horns in it, I was like, this does the song justice. Oh, this God, is, yeah. you know. Doing a straight punk rock cover, you know, it was it was fine, but it it just didn't do anything to the song. You know what I mean? It was, I was just kind of run of the mill, and I, I wasn't going to put it on. You know, do a Tom Waits cover, run of the mill. So, the, that little horn section really brightened the whole thing up, and and now it's uh, gets mentioned as uh, people's favorite song on the record pretty often. It's one of my favorites, and what I like too is the way that you made it your own. I really feel like you might convert people into Tom Waits fans because I am a Tom Waits fan, but he's not he's not always the easiest guy to get into. Like it took yeah. me it really took me years. Like maybe yep. maybe two years ago I finally got into him. Your version, I, I think including if you are a fan of your music, they'll listen to that, they'll like it, and it and it's kind of an easier introduction to him. Yep. I I really do think that. And I like I said, I love the way you made it because I I almost didn't Thanks. recognize it in the um, when I first listened to it. And you know, I, I think if you're a child of the '70s like I am, I'm born in '65. So realistically, I'm I'm you know I'm a child of the '70s. Uh, you know, we grew up with all those songs like Kung Fu Fighting and you know Billy Don't Be a Hero and like all these 
the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, like all these songs with these just great stories in them, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, and I think like that really lends itself to listening to an artist like Tom Waits. You know what I mean? The, the story in that song is great. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's a really great, so lyrically, it's a great song. And, um, and, uh, and, and I, it's always been one of my favorite Tom Waits songs. Well, since it came out anyway, um, it's been one of my favorite Tom Waits songs and, you know, a little bit of a personal connection, connection to the, to the lyrics too, you know, so it, it really, uh, it felt like the right one to, to do. And we just, I just, I really just got lucky. I really just got lucky when it when it when it comes down to it because that that idea just popped into my head. Just kind of no, no like, you're absolutely right though. He is an amazing storyteller. Like I mean, yeah. you you were saying like songs from back then. Just going through his back catalog, I, I'm 24, and when I listen to him, I become like nostalgic for a time that you know I was never around for. But that's what is that's what he does. He well, that's through, what I tell people. You know, it's like. When you listen to Tom Waits, you have to imagine sitting down with Grandpa and Grandpa telling his old war stories. Yes. that's really what it's like. And you know, a lot of them are really dark. A lot of the tales are really dark. And and but his voice is soulful. He knows how to create a great atmosphere with the music. He always has like interesting percussion stuff. The guy is really a master. He really is. And you know, you see him live, and it's more like a vaudeville show than it is a uh, a music concert. You know. Yeah. The first. But, um, his huge first, fan, huge Tom Waits fan. First song I got into on him, um, Hooker, or sorry, Christmas card from a hooker in Minneapolis. And like you were saying, <laughs> it is, it's devastating. You listen to it and it's kind of beautiful as it just falls apart. Right. And, and that, that's where I got, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of like Charles Bukowski set to yeah. music. And yeah. I, there's a, there's a famous quote from him. It's something like, um, I love beautiful melodies that tell me that tell me terrible stories or tell me terrible st- things or something like that. And it really is a, a real, you know, uh, that's a great description of, of his own songs. Oh, exactly. So, uh, yeah, right right now we're going to be playing your cover of Tom Waits' Pony. And if someone listens to this who never heard Tom Waits before and they're like, oh, man, I, now I want to go listen to Tom Waits, what would you say would either be maybe an album that someone should check out? Oh Lord! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is hard. There are a lot. Yeah. The guy's got a huge. He's got a, a a huge discography. He's got a lot of records. Um, but the, probably the 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 stuff that that if you listen to now, that's the that'll really catch you the most. Like Mule Variation, Bone Machine is really the record that kind of made me. I was a I was a fan before, but Bone Machine is the record that made me like a devoted fan like okay i gotta just get everything he did um but uh mule variations and alice alice especially is a real haunting record with just incredible fish and bird and like some really just gut-wrenching stories on it but um alice uh mule variations blood money um you know anything in that era there is it's a little easy it's (laughs) it's a good introduction to his catalog those songs are a little bit more, um, uh, they have a little bit tighter of a direction and easier to understand and stuff than some of his um, more experimental stuff. Bone Machine was really experimental, but that's what I, I, why I really liked it. But like I said, you know, Mule Variations, Alice, Blood Money, any of those records in that, that, uh, that era, out of those three records, you, you list to that, you'll be hooked for sure. Beautiful. Well, once again, C.J. Ramon, thank you so much for talking to us. His new album, American Beauty, is out now on Fat Records. I cannot, seriously cannot recommend it enough. If you're listening to this show, you know what I play. You're going to like this album. You can go find him on cjramon.com. He's on Facebook. He's on Twitter and Instagram, both at the, with two E's, C.J. Ramon. He has a U.S. and Canada tour coming up from April 15th to May 20th. Now we are going to send you guys off with C.J. Ramon's cover of Tom Waits. I hope my pony, I hope my pony, I hope my pony knows the way back home.